You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Privilege is a word that seems to make a lot of people uncomfortable these days, but it's a word that carries a lot of weight in the discussion about our personal responsibilities as members of society, especially toward people who face systemic oppression throughout their lives. We often talk about racial privilege, but with so much focus lately on Harvey Weinstein, his victims, and the resulting movements to create awareness about sexual violence and harassment, we've also been talking a lot lately about gender-related privilege. What is our personal role in the struggle for equality and justice in this country in 2017? We've talked a few times on this show with author, activist, and Pastor Jim Wallace about institutional racism in America. Today, we welcome him back to talk about systemic misogyny and the role of women in the struggle for equality and justice in America. Pastor Jim Wallace, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be back in my hometown Yes, and back with you. Always good to see you. Yeah. So let's start with the the, the issue that that I think was raised quite poignantly by Harvey Weinstein, uh, this idea of misogyny in America. And, And I want to talk about that, of course, not just in terms of the things that Harvey Weinstein is accused of doing, but the context in which those things were done, the culture that maybe produced those those actions and certainly lends itself to uh, a wink and nod or a, a, a turn of the, the, the head away from confronting those things. I think that's the, the conversation that I've been most interested in since that happened, which is uh, – what are you supposed to do if you're somebody who witnesses what somebody like Harvey Weinstein was doing? Apparently, all kinds of people in Hollywood understood what he was doing and knew about it and didn't say anything. And that's not just victims, but also men, men who who know about other men who do these things. I think there's a real interesting question unfolding about what our obligations look like to stand up when we see wrongs that aren't directed at us, but are directed uh, at other people. You know, um, we have read, as you just mentioned, all these obscenities about what Weinstein has done to so many women who are now coming forward. Uh, Harassment, abuse, assault, rape. And the Washington Post had this headline last weekend. It said, a world of Weinsteins. A world of Weinstein's. Mm-hmm. And that's how many women feel. The, apparently, most women in this country can tell their stories about being harassed, being abused, being, and men using their power. It's about this, this, this sense of entitlement that powerful men have uh, to use and abuse and get what they want by any means necessary. Yeah. And a lot of people I've heard say, men, saying, I'm concerned about this because of my daughters. Right? You hear that a lot. Well, or, and then they talk about their wives and their sisters. Well, I've got a wife and I've got three sisters, but uh, I'm concerned about this because of my sons. I've got two sons. And the point you, you just made, there's a toxic kind of masculinity that's behind all this. There's a continuum from sexism to sexual harassment to abuse and to assault. These things are on a continuum. And you see men enabling Harvey Weinstein, enabling, collaborating, covering it up. You see a legal system 
that covers it up. Very few of these men have been prosecuted, very, very few. Uh, and these agreements about silence and compensation, all this is structured to, to really cover up these sins, if you will. And what does it mean for men uh, to stand up and to speak up and to say, no, that isn't acceptable. I don't want to tell my sons just, don't assault, you shouldn't assault, mm-hmm. because it's, it's talk that starts, you know, talk and language and, and assuming and allowing and tolerating things. So what does it mean for a new generation of men, young men, to stand up and say, no, no, this, we should listen to the stories of women and the Me Too movement is speaking out. We should, we've got to listen. Men have to listen. But you can't, it can't just be women who are changing this culture. Right. The culture has to be changed by men behaving differently. And, and by behaving differently, I guess... We we mean not doing the things that, but more that, than that. But 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 far more than that, right? Far more. Uh, uh, speaking out when when something small happens that's not harassment, but but sort of goes to the culture of harassment, and I think that's where that's where a lot of men start to have uh, a hard time first identifying what those things are, and then feeling emboldened or. Uh, uh, empowered even enough and that's an, I guess an ironic word to use with regard to men uh, in in the in the the, the context of, of gender uh, gender politics but 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 feeling empowered to to speak up and say yeah this is not okay uh, and and it's not sexual assault or harassment but it, it it's one of the things that leads to it well it's this whole phrase we hear locker room talk both right. of my boys are, are serious athletes, mm-hmm. college and high school. And we've had long talks about this and whether the, the culture is changing at that level. It's the locker room talk that provides the permission and the foundation for going further and further and further. So some guys will say, well, I would never have done that. But, you know, a lot of them watched or they listen right. or they accept or they don't really confront and that's got to change. And so what does it mean to have a, a, a nurturing masculinity that wants to nurture people in both genders and not the toxic, abusive uh, masculinity that, you know, Hugh Hefner, he just died too. He, he did enormous damage, this women as commodities, sex as consumerism. Uh, and this is on both sides of the aisle. you got Harvey Weinstein. Then you got Bill O'Reilly and, and Roger Ailes from Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Clinton has to be named. And then you've got the president of the United States, who is a sexual confess. predator. Sexual bribe. predator, basically. Not just confess, bribe. Right. And so you've got young boys and girls in the country hearing their president uh, brag about being a sexual predator. So this is something that men have to address, not by just not being the worst guy and the bad guy, but saying, no, uh, I won't let you say that in this locker room. Right. You can't do, do that. That kind of talk is not okay. And men have to stand up to other men. And so it's always, the Me Too movement is amazing when you hear these stories. Uh, Meet the Press had uh, five U.S. senators telling their stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, powerful, talented women, but they all had amazing stories. And afterwards, they all felt alone. <laughs> alone. They told their best friends and right. didn't know what else to do. 
So the overwhelming uh, sexual assault and abuse is men against women. That's a fact. So men have to stand up and deal it's with that. It's a male problem. It's a male problem, yeah. And men have to stand up and take responsibility. You know, you related this before to our previous conversations about you know, my book, America's Original Sin, and white privilege is in that subtitle. That's always the first question, what do you mean? Right. Uh, are, you, are you saying that I am responsible for everything that's happened to every person of color? No, I'm saying that you benefit from oppression. You are responsible for helping to change it. Yeah. If you benefit from it, and accepting that mentality, that ethos, I don't want my boys to be those kinds of men. And I want my boys to stand up with their fellow athletes and their classmates and say, no, we're not doing that. We're not talking that way here. And I think that's possible. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Pastor Jim Wallace. What is the obligation of those with privilege to speak up for those who are oppressed? Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019. We will get to your calls next on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Pastor Jim Wallace, a theologian, founder of Sojourners, and author of America's Original Sin, Racism, White Privilege, and A Bridge to a New America. We are talking today about misogyny, about gender politics, and the obligation of those with privilege in that context to speak out, to act differently with regard to the issue on behalf of those who are the victims or the oppressed. What do you think about that issue? What do you think the obligation is for men in particular to speak out about sexual assault and harassment and not just the overt instances of it, but the kinds of cultural dynamics that lead to it and then lead to it not being uh, not being addressed, the kinds of things that hide it or Look away from those problems. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Claire in Washington Township. Claire, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. what I just kind of was thinking about in regards to the guests' comments about men needing to take responsibility to, you know, just about how they act in general and wanting to teach young boys how to, you know, stick up for women or treat women and all those different items, it, it goes beyond just sexual things sometimes and harassment. Um, I've had to, like, talk to my husband on occasion to say, you know, the words that you're using to talk to me aren't appropriate. And I don't want my son learning that it's okay to talk to his wife like that or to talk to his partner like that. Um, and it can just be simple stuff around the house, you know, taking care of laundry and just doing different things. So I think there's also a bigger idea in it of how do men view women and their role even in life? You know, I work 40 hours a week just like my husband does. I don't want to come home and have a snide comment about, you know, the fact that mommy didn't do this this way or 
him putting me down and belittling me just in general. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a conversation to be had, too, about gender roles have changed in the workplace and everything like that. And would my husband want to be talked to like that? Or would he want his boss talking to him like that? So I think there's part of that, too. Yeah, yeah. Claire, I, I really appreciate your calling and, and the candor uh, in, in helping us discuss this issue. Thanks very much uh, for being part of the conversation there. Uh, let's go to Brenda. Brenda in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and hi to your guests as well. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make a comment. Um, I was once listening to a program, and this woman from India was on there. And she says something that struck a um, a nerd in me when she said um, the most saddest people on the earth are women. And I said, mm, I wonder why would she say something like that? But as I look back on it, this uh, harassment of women has been going on for years and years, ever since America's been America. Mm-hmm. Look what happened to uh, uh, slave women how they were used and abused, and no one said anything except it under the rug. And not even the uh, white women, when they knew that their husbands were doing things like that. And now it's become the norm. We should have spoke up a long time ago, but be it that we didn't, we do need to stick up, uh, stand up and, and say, this enough is enough. Yeah. And it's not going to go on anymore. And men should also, because they have daughters, and you wouldn't want your daughter to be used that way. Yeah. Uh, Brenda, thanks very much uh, for the call. I think uh, you're reflecting again the sentiments that a lot of people have about uh, about this issue. Long past time for people to use their mouths and their words uh, to, to, to speak back to this issue. Go ahead, Pastor Wallace. Uh, Brenda, I, I, you're, you're going back to Claire here, I think, and I, I want to go back to what Claire said. This is not just about sexual assault. Uh, it, the beginning of this is what Claire was talking about. Sexism is is the foundation for this. Mm-hmm. And the way uh, she's describing her experience at the workplace and the home place, it's, it's not just saying men shouldn't do sexual assault and should call out other men when they see that going on. It's got to go back deeper. It's what sexism begets this kind of conversation and talk and gives permission for sexual harassment and then gives a fertile ground for sexual assault. It's on a continuum. So unless we go back to the roots, it's like race. We've got to go back to the roots here. And she's right. This isn't about just men behaving better. It's about changing a culture in which uh, women, and it's, it's a culture of power. It's a culture of power. Who are these men who are most abusive, who feel entitled? They have all this power, which they use their lawyers, are part of it, their, their co-workers, their assistants are part, part of it. It's all set up. And, and so that's at, at the top, the power is used. But it's a whole system. It's a whole system and structure. And I think we've got to go back to what Claire is saying, which is how men regard women. Christians say, we believe, we assert that we're creating the image of God. Men and women, that's a, that's a you know, we, we, this is going to test whether we truly believe that yeah. or yeah. not. Uh, again, thanks for the call, uh, Brenda. Let's go to Anthony and Troy. Anthony, welcome to Detroit today. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh-huh. Um, I have an issue with this because to say that this is something that men need to handle is kind of intellectually dishonest. 38% of rapes each year are against men. So we can't talk about rape 
unless we include the male victims. And you, it's just like with domestic violence. They always want to make it seem as if this is a, a female victim only issue, and it's not. And if you want to talk about rape, you have to include all the victims, male and female. Well, um, uh, so so Anthony, I really appreciate the call and the and the comments. But the perpetrators of those rapes against men are are, are men. women. No, there are mm. other women. I, I I guess I'm not I'm not familiar with that stat. Uh, 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 you know, I, I know the stat that says 38 percent of uh, incidents of rape and sexual violence were the, the, that 38 percent of the victims were men. I'm not familiar with the idea that 38 percent of 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 the perpetrators were women. I think I think it's men raping other men in that in that case. And you're talking about things like sexual assault and in the Penn State sex abuse scandal, for instance, uh, where a lot of young men were taken advantage of by older men. I think that's far more the case than when you see a woman take advantage take advantage of a man and not that that doesn't ever happen but i don't think that's uh i don't think that's the cultural dynamic we're talking about here um but i do appreciate the call and i do, uh, appreciate uh, your listening and and the comments there let's go to ann in rochester hills ann welcome to detroit today hi there um <clears throat> i i just wanted to speak to the idea of how we change um, how men call men out and change the behavior, like on a practical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a psychotherapist. My husband is in upper management in a multi-million dollar corporation, and we talk a lot about this. He speaks to the metaphorical castration of a lot of men in our culture, um, and how a man stands up to other men doesn't have to be loud and with a lot of words which is a woman's style of standing up, mm-hmm. but instead <clears throat> looking at another man and just indicating to another man, I see you. I see what you're doing. I'm watching you. Mm-hmm. Um, nonverbal language, a simple word of, Hey, um, changing subjects to, if all men were able to do that, there would be less risk of them being challenged by the other men. And they are, just beginning to create a culture where all of them are saying, we're watching each other. We're seeing you. We're seeing what's happening here. And, and we're not going to look away. Yes, I'm not going to look away. Okay. And if it happens more subtly, less men will feel that risk of their own, of, of a wrath coming back on them. Yeah. And yeah. my husband speaks to that in terms of how he can create change in his corporate setting. Right. Uh, and- where men are afraid to speak up about many topics, yeah. not just the harassment. And, and I really appreciate the, the, the call and the comments there. Jim, we only have about a minute left, but talk about that empowering that men need to do of other men. What Ann's talking about there is in the corporate context, a lot of men feel like if they speak out, they could end up being uh, victims of that same culture. You do need other men in power to indulge this and, and talk about it and say, we want things to change as well. Anne said it well. Uh, people who find themselves in a situation of oppression, what they're often saying is they, they, they want people to say, I see you. I see you. I, I see you in your situation. And But then what we say to those who are doing the oppression is I'm watching you. Mm-hmm. Pastors talking to police chiefs are saying, I want to help with community policing, but I'm, we're watching you. Here's my collar. Here's my card. 
we're watching you. So, you know, this is about, this is about an intolerance in the culture to sexual assault. This is about changing a legal system that holds men accountable. Harvey Weinstein, if a portion of what has been accused is true, he had to spend the rest of his life in jail. This is about how boys in a new generation of men are, are nurtured mm-hmm. against the kind of toxic ma- masculinity and rape culture into a culture of narcissism, yeah. a, a culture of nurturance. Right. How do we nurture each other? So it's changing how we behave by I'm watching you and leading a better example, yes. new examples. Yes. Pastor Jim Wallace, uh, thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We will see you tomorrow.